Welcome to the Overly Human Podcast, where we discuss all things human in the workplace, because it's not just business, it's personal too. So when I hear the word recruitment, the first thing that stands out to me is the word recruiter. And I have worked in this industry for more than 20 years now. And let me just say that recruiters don't have the best reputation. I've got more than a few stories of being contacted by them that just did not feel right or sit right with me. And I've got more than a few stories about recruiters actively calling Sparkbox employees at Sparkbox during business hours on Sparkbox phones to see if they were interested in other jobs. And I know I'm not the only one that has this experience with recruiters. And so this is one of those words that I really, really have a challenge with. That actually, when I hear and talk about recruiters or recruitment, it makes me want to throw up in my mouth a little bit. Like the <laughs> fact that I'm like having to think about this and like reframe the conversation, but that's where we are. So, yeah, it's hard. It's hard because especially as a business owner, it feels like they're trying to kidnap or steal your people. And that hits a special little nerve um, with us as as owners, as leaders, as as uh, CEOs and COOs. You know, when that's such a big part of our job is hiring good people, retaining good people, and when there's this outsider, almost it feels like they're infiltrating or trying to infiltrate and take our talent from us. So it can feel very violating. Yeah, and. I, I want to like on that sentiment, I want to be clear, like, you know, I, I believe there's seasons for things and people will come, people will go. And, you know, like if it's the right time and the right opportunity, for the most part, I'm excited for people when they become alumni of Sparkbox. And my experience with recruiters is less to do with feeling like they're trying to steal my people. It's the fact and the ways they're doing it and the, the honest belief that I have that they don't have my people's best interest in heart and how and why they're doing it. And so much of that gets into how they get paid, <laughs> I think, yeah. right? Because a lot of times the recruiters I'm talking about don't necessarily work for the companies they're representing and they're paid a percentage of the salary that of the placement they're getting. And whew, if there ever seems like a misalignment of, you know, objectives and goals and some bad capitalism mixed in. It's that situation. <laughs> well, there are a lot of, of agency owners and studio owners that are using recruiters. So yep. what's the, what's the upside? Do you see any upside? Have you talked to other owners that really believe in hiring recruiters, have good recruiters on their payroll? There's a few, there's a few that I know that do it. And I think it's a personal choice. And I think this is one of the several places where we can correlate a recruitment program with biz dev, right? Hmm. Like I am also one of those people who is somewhat allergic to being sold to in a slimy way. And I just use air mm -hmm. quotes with sold to. Um, <laughs> this is a non-visual medium, so that's probably important to point out. <laughs> and, you know, like I, it took a long time for us, Sparkbox, to have a biz dev person, a sales program that we were comfortable with because 
the examples out there that were that I had been around and media and all that stuff were all of this like salesy, slimy, you know, get somebody to do something or sell something they don't need. And so I kind of made peace with that years ago. Um, But it took a while longer to make the same peace with like recruitment, like having that be a part of our studio. Um, I think the biggest, you know, uh, plus that I see that, you know, small business owners get out of having somebody else do it is their time because it is really, really time intensive to do it well. And that all to be said, like, you don't have to like, just like sales, you don't have to have uh, the practices that you don't want or don't like inside of your company. So you can make that choice. So you don't have to follow the things that we see and the, you know, the bad pieces that exist out there. So not all recruiters are bad, just the ones that I've talked to or dealt with over the years. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So let's assume we don't use a recruiter. I mean, we talked about in our last episode, you know, turnover is healthy right now. Um, We're in that type of a market and, you know, business, we don't know what awaits on the horizon, but, but so far business is, is pretty strong in this industry and we've been seeing a lot of consistent growth. So, so there's like a, you know, two things happening here. One, you know, we have open seats occurring um, probably more frequently than we have had in the, in the past years. And we're also seeing growth. So increased utilization, decreased capacity, maybe an increase in overtime for some people. These are all signals that we need to, to hire. Right. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk a little bit about designing a recruitment program. Yeah. And I think that the first question that comes up for a lot of people is, is, well, why do I need this and when do I need it? And I think that you point out some interesting numbers, right? So I went back and did a little research. Um, Back in 2018, the average turnover for tech companies was 13.5%. And in 2020, that number had already grown to 22%. And I don't have to tell you that it's even gone up from there to almost 30% in 2021. Okay, so one, and, you know, tech company is was one of the leaders back in 2018. That's changed somewhat, but still almost 30%. That's a lot of turnover. So what that means is as soon as we get to a size of 30-ish, 35 people, we're going to have to hire one person per month just to stay at the same size. Yeah. And that doesn't... It's just... That's- Incredible. Incredible. (laughs) That doesn't even count for any growth that you want to do or adding new capabilities or capacity. And you're trying to do that in an environment where unemployment's at historic lows and tech unemployment's even lower than that. (laughs) Right? Like the joke keeps being made that if you can spell HTML, you can, you know, be a web designer and web developer right now. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it is, it's crazy. And so, you know, we've, we've already spoken a lot about, you know, kind of retaining the people we have, but there's just so much that's out of our control. And we have to expect that people are going to move on for various reasons. And, you know, and as you kind of hinted at, it doesn't even include making that decision that we love to make as visionary leaders to expand our offerings or add another vertical or, 
you know, look at, you know, a, a completely different skill set to, to start to dabble in. And, you know, those are kind of fun reasons to grow, fun reasons to expand the team and to go out and, and to try to find new talent. Um, you know, and we need to keep that. We need to keep that fresh energy. And, and there's so, so many great reasons to bring in new people. You know, it, mm-hmm. and it, research shows it improves morale. It brings new ideas to the company, new skill sets, you know, capacity for new work. All of those things um, are great when we're ex- just purely expanding our team. But when you add turnover on top of it, and especially turnover we're not really used to, you know, owners can get and leaders can get really deflated quickly. They can get um, start to take it personally, yeah. start to feel like, you know, somebody's leaving all the time. Is it because of me? What's happening on the team? And and then the team morale can be affected by that. So I think off the bat, I think it's good for us to be throwing out this research and anybody who's listening to realize, you know, if, if your team is healthy, if your culture is strong and you are seeing these numbers and turnover to know that it's normal yeah. to know that this is what's happening right now. Hiring is hard. Turnover is high. And to frame that for your people as well. Yeah. So that there's not any sort of panic or people starting to kind of, create reasons people are leaving that aren't really there. This is a natural process that we're going through right now. And I think it's really important for the leaders and the team to know, you know, it's just the nature of the beast and we have to learn to roll with it. And now more than ever, we need a strategy and we need to design a recruitment program and put it into action. And we need to just roll with it and realize this is the cost of doing business and not let it start to impact morale or our own individual psyche as leaders. Yeah, morale or our own individual happiness, which, you know, like there are days that, you know, some when people leave that you have to take a step back and just be like, no, this, this is the natural thing, like you said, like this is part of what happens. And, you know, that was like, it's been interesting, like this year, uh, 2022 has been, you know, in the end of 2021 has been Sparkbox really trying to grow and mature their recruitment program. Because if I go back to a time, you know, when we started is we always had a recruitment program. It just wasn't very sophisticated because our needs weren't very sophisticated. Like one of the things that uh, my business partner, Ben, and I always did is because we went to so many events and meetups and every place we went to that we just kept a list of people that we had met that we wanted to hire someday. Hmm. And anytime we needed to hire, we would just start emailing people or having lunch with them because, you know, like most small businesses, we started out pretty centrally located. That was pretty common back in, you know, 2009, 2010, we were starting this bad boy up and we had this list. And we would add people to it and we would track and keep in touch with them, almost like a really simplified CRM, right? And that worked, um, at least with the growth needs we had at that time. And sometimes people stay on the list for a long time and for years in some cases. And other times, you know, they would come and go off the list. But that became like our way to kind of keep track and of who we were meeting and, you know, people that we thought were, you know, and I know this word is problematic, but they were good 
cultural fits for us. They were doing the things we wanted, and that was kind of before we had better language around those things. Um, and you fast forward to this point, and you know we're treating our recruitment program a lot like we treat our biz dev programs is we've got marketing centered around it. We've got posts that are always on. We've got all of these things, these coordinated activities that are happening all the time so that, you know, we can find people to, to both accomplish, you know, to make sure that we're staying the same size, but also we have some growth goals right now. Um, and so that's become a lot more sophisticated includes includes like LinkedIn, you know, using their marketing tools, you know, actually writing posts with that, uh, you know, persona in mind so that we can let people know what it's like to work here so people can want to work at Sparkbox. The Overly Human podcast is brought to you by Sparkbox. Sparkbox leads the way toward a better web by partnering with complex organizations to create user-driven web experiences. Learn more at sparkbox.com. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's all so necessary. I love the the crafting thought leadership around. Now, of course, it's not going to be all your thought leadership because you're thinking about clients and winning business as well. But, you know, talking to potential, you know, employees through your thought leadership is a really important piece to remember. And so beyond LinkedIn, are there other avenues that you guys are yeah. using? Yeah, we use LinkedIn. We're using our Twitter accounts. You know, we're using um, various job boards, um, some in, you know, uh, more diverse communities that we want to be able to speak into and be able to hire from to hit some of our diversity goals. Um, so there's lots of those kinds of things. You know, the other thing that we've realized over the years is our current employees are also really, really good at being recruiters and not recruiters in the traditional sense where they're doing, you know, outreach, but being present and talking about what it's like to work at Sparkbox to also be posting things on their social media and their platforms and their voice. Um, those have become, you know, pretty critical parts of what we do as well, because, you know, the web community in our case is pretty tight knit and everybody knows everybody. Yeah. And I can tell you from experience, and and it doesn't matter what industry you're in, the most powerful tool you have is your own employees, the current employees. And if your current employees are evangelists for your company, you have just completely upped your game as far as recruitment's concerned, because there's just nothing like a potential, you know, candidate hearing from an employee that this is a great place to work because that's the big unknown as you're interviewing is like, yeah, they're selling me all this stuff and it sounds great and it looks shiny and, and happy and all of that on the outside. But the fear is that after your first week of work, you're going to, you know, think you've been duped or something. And so when you hear from the current employees, like this is the real deal, like yeah. these core values, we actually live by them. You know, the the way that, you know, we do our processes, the way we handle projects, the way we support each other, you know, the way we we step up when somebody is on vacation or, you know, we we let, allow them to be gone and and we do that for each other. We have each other's backs. You know, when they start to hear things like that, 
you know, the blood pressure goes down, they get really sold and excited about coming to work for you. And nothing compares to that type of endorsement that, you know, your current employees can have such an impact on your recruitment program. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing, just to take a step further, is because you brought up values. And I think that's such a great place to start when we talk about all of our different programs that are both outward facing and inward facing. And this is an extension of that, right? Like your values and the way you treat people and the way that you want people to feel extends all the way to that very first interaction when they hear about you. And that could be recruitment. (laughs) That's going to start setting the stage for what eventual employees will feel about the process. One of the things that we've said for years on our biz dev programs is, I don't ever want to do something that if the person it being done to found out about it, that they would feel slimy. (laughs) And I feel the same way about recruitment. I don't want to have any practice or do anything that would, you know, if somebody found out they were on the receiving end would be like, oh, oh, that worked on me. Like that, that kind of feeling kind of grosses me out and I'm just want to stay away from it. But Like, so we look at our recruitment program, the way we talk about things, how we put things out there as an extension of our brand. Mm -hmm. Because our goal is on both of those programs, recruitment and biz dev, is to create fans, people that want our content, that agree with the way we look at the world and want what we're selling and also believe what we believe. Some of those people we want to be able to partner with and sell to. And the large group of people, we potentially are, could be their future employer and want to partner with them in a different way. Right, right. No, that's great. You were just talking, you kind of hinted a little bit about diversity and that, you know, you're being completely intentional about also putting out messages in the right place to to try to get um, diverse talent interested in Sparkbox. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so... We've worked with several organizations over the years um, and that are parts of underrepresented communities. Um, one of them is Girl Develop It. We were longtime sponsors of them trying to do things, and that allowed us, you know, we didn't really ever ask for anything in return. But, you know, we got, we hired several people who were involved with Girl Develop It over the years. Um, another one was Blacks in Technology, um, BIT that we partnered with. And I remember uh, Ben went down to a meetup and met the founder who lives pretty close here and just asked, you know, what can we do to help? What, you know, how can we help you? And his response was as well, I need a website. So we built them a website and didn't charge him anything. It was all, you know, just work that we were doing and trying to help lift their voices up because that's what I believe most of those groups need. They don't need you know, somebody else who has a bunch of privilege showing up, they need their voices lifted up. And part of that project was, you know, integrated job board and we've posted there. So one of the things we constantly are looking for is places to post to reach new communities that we're not already reaching because of the network effect and network bias that exists where your network probably looks and a lot like you and has a similar background to you And all those studies have been done over the years, and we've all heard that. So I think you have to be pretty intentional to reach communities that aren't that. Yeah, 
Yeah. And how has it worked for you as far as, you know, increasing diversity on your actual staff and, um, and has your staff been open and aware and, you know, do they know that this is something you and Ben are intentional about? Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about a lot over the years. Um, you know, I think that, well, I know <laughs> empirically from the numbers that diversity at Sparkbox has grown a lot um, over the last several years since we started, you know, uh, being intentional about it and, you know, taking that initiative. Um, and it's, the work will never be done, never, ever be done, right? Like, you know, we've heard things over the years where, you know, someone from um, an underrepresented group came back and said, well, I saw, found your site a couple of years ago, but I went to your team page and there was nobody that looked like me, so I didn't apply. And it was like, oh, okay. And then, you know, the good news was that several years later, the team page changed and they applied because they were able to see themselves or people that looked like them on our website. That's one of the reasons we continue to have a team page is not just for prospective clients, but it's for our prospective employees. It's for people we're trying to hire is, you know, if we want to talk about these things, here is a... and. A visual representation obviously isn't everything and doesn't, you know, you can't see all the kinds of diversity, but there are some that we know people are looking for. Yeah, yeah. And the tech industry is just so interesting in that regard, too. You know, when you kind of look at the overall numbers uh, um, when it comes to diversity and and um, so it's great to hear how you're you're helping minority communities grow in the skills needed to to start increasing overall in the tech industry, you know, minority representation. And I can remember, you know, just years ago, you know, even getting, in, you know, more involved in the tech industry and, and, you know, being the only woman at an event or, you know, like the, the topics were around, you know, how can we get more women in leadership or how can we get more women on our our teams. And now it's progressed to, well, it's, you know, it's not just women, but how can we get, you know, people of color? And, um, and I think, you know, the, the awareness level is high. And I, and I love hearing about the intention because when the intention is there and the awareness is there, you start to see the difference, you know, but it, it's, you know, when we, we don't acknowledge, accept and try that we become stagnant. And as we know, there is just so much benefit from a development and design perspective when it comes to having a diverse staff. And I know in our next episode, we're going to talk more about kind of eliminating bias as we're interviewing, because there's so much that happens unconsciously um, that we're not even aware. And again, to go to awareness when, when all we have to do is tell our staff like, hey, just so you know, this is what science says this is what kind of happens in our mind. So just be aware so that, so we know, and we're being more intentional when we're interviewing these candidates. So I'm excited to talk about that in our next episode. Yeah. And I think an important note though, is you also need to be measuring that on your recruitment steps because you can eliminate all the bias you want on your interviewing process or your, you know, all of that piece once you are talking to a person, but if you're not doing it on your recruitment step, you're never going to get the right pool of candidates. Right. And I think that one of the things that we've done that's helped us a lot is actually on the application process, 
to add an anonymous part where we actually ask some of those diversity questions so that we can measure who's applying from what groups so that we can change how we're targeting and how we're changing our job postings and all of that to help get the widest possible net that is the most diverse group possible. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, there was a study done years ago when um, the tech industry was trying to increase its you know, female representation. And in your posting, just the phrases that you were using and research showed like things like coding ninja, you know, were, were actually kind of turnoffs for women. They, they sort of felt like, you know, oh, that sounds very like, you know, male, you know, oriented or things that were kind of used in sort of sports terminology on postings, you know, not to say that women aren't interested in sports, but again, and consciously, sometimes when we see a posting like that, we might think, oh, you know, a bunch of dudes that probably don't want me around. And, you know, so it was interesting to kind of see the research that was done, you know, just in that, with that gender and sort of how they were, you know, uh, you know, reading these posts and, and reacting to them. And I know there's been lots of studies for, you know, minority groups, you know, the same types of studies. And, and there's a lot of research out there and help out there, you know, with, you know, diversity um, consultants that can help you craft a post that's inclusive and inviting and really, you know, hits on, you know, what you're exactly looking for and kind of gets rid of these sort of archaic terms or just kind of old habits we've fallen into and freshen up the way we post and the way we recruit. So it's, it's definitely worth doing a little research and, and, you know, dusting off the, our, our, the old uh, job descriptions and, and starting fresh. It's marketing, right? Like you, you're going to get the people that you market to. Um, And there's tools out there that do that too. One of the ones that we've used over the years is text.io, which is text.io.com where you can actually run your job descriptions through it and it'll tell you if it's gendered one way or the other or what groups it's going to target more than others and you can actually work and they have recommendations to actually make them more neutral um yeah yeah that's great there's so many handy things out there nowadays (laughs) there is and you know like i think that the the key here is is this is an intentional piece you need in your business once you get to a certain size and it's smaller than you think it is, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like that's yeah. the key here is, is it's, you know, like I think it's easy to hear things like, well, you need to think about a recruiting program. And it's like, oh, I'll get to that when I'm big. And it's like, no, you probably need it now. Maybe it's not a dedicated person, but it's probably something you need to have and be intentional about way before you think you will. Right. And everything we've talked about in this episode, it's not hard. These are simple tweaks, simple, you know, things to to put into the plan and to, you know, make people aware of and to start designing around your thought leadership. It's not hard. All it takes is, again, awareness and intention. And so when we say recruitment program, you know, hopefully that's not a big turnoff because people are already so busy and overworked. You know, we're talking about just a few things to put into action, just, you know, one meeting where we can like really bang this out and know that we are paying attention to it the way that we should, that is just going to make life 
so much easier overall for our team and for us. Yeah. And it's like everything else, right? If you're going to start being intentional about it, one of the first things you should do is find ways to measure what you have. So that way you can tell when you make changes what works and what doesn't, right? And that's one of the things that I think, you know, when we talk about marketing, we talk about biz dev, we talk about all of these softer business things, right? Like one of the things is like, what's the old marketing adage? Half the, you know, I'm wasting half my money. I just don't know which which half, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, I hate the idea that I'm wasting money. I know that it's some of its brand awareness and all that fun stuff, but like, you can put in a couple simple metrics to figure out how this is, how the, your recruitment stuff is working and add to it. So that way, when you start adding things to it and spending money, then you can start measuring the impact of that. Right. And a good a one simple, simple tool, and this will be the last thing I say, is ask the people you hired, you know, or ask the people that are, you're interviewing. How did you hear about us? Why are you interested? What piqued your interest? What did you see or what have you heard about Sparkbox in the last year and, you know, or the last five years or whatever? Just ask that simple question. I mean, they're sitting right there being interviewed. And I think that little poll will really help you see what's sticking and what is really attracting people to want to talk to you. Yeah, that's a great thought to end on. Thanks, Tracy. (laughs) Thank you. The Overly Human Podcast is brought to you by Navigate the Journey and Sparkbox. For more information on this podcast or to get in touch with Tracy or Rob, go to overlyhuman.com. If you like what you've heard, subscribe and tell your friends to listen. Thanks.